Welcome to another week of the Burmuir podcast. Um, we'd hoped to be talking about victory against Melrose. We were fearing that we might be talking about a very heavy defeat, but in the end it was it was defeat, but it was quite encouraging. Indeed it was, Simon. I mean, I've got to say I didn't travel with too much optimism, but as I said last week, I mean, our very inconsistency had to give us some hope, but uh, we started extremely well, and I think you said it, early on that we were obviously going to look to take points every time we got the opportunity. Yeah, I think uh, Ali's drop goal proved that. I mean, it's not often you see Muir kind of get into the 22 and all of a sudden the ball's back at the fly half and he's popped over a drop goal even if it does come off the post. Well, for the first time, I think this season, he hit the post and it went over. (laughs) Although later on in the game, he did manage to hit the post and it not went over. Um, It seemed after Melrose had kind of weathered that Bright start by us. We'd got six points on the board. Uh, Skeen notched a penalty, and then they took control. And, and frankly, they looked the better side. Yeah, I think in the second quarter of the game, certainly it looked as though what a lot of people had expected, and certainly you and I had feared, was possibly going to happen. That Melrose would steamroller us, particularly after the defence against Gala in the second half. You know, I was quite concerned at that point, but. I don't know what the coaches said and did during the week, but certainly the defence was immeasurably better. Um, you know, the Melrose spent quite some time camped on our line, and it took them a lot of effort to eventually get over the line. Um, it did. When they did eventually get over the line, of course, the first time, Jamie Murray showed some quite astonishing arrogance in trying to take the ball past Andy Rose when he'd already gained 15 metres in from the touchline for Skeen's kick and got tackled over the dead ball line yeah that has to be one of the funniest things I've seen on a rugby <laughs> pitch for some time um, I mean Andy Rose just proved that no cause he's ever lost but to see the look on Jamie Murray's face when he realised uh, what he'd done and I mean the referee first played to him he called time out he went and he spoke to his touch judge um, although looking back at it on the photos and on the video both Officials were in a great position to see what had happened, and the touch judge quite clearly told him no, he was out of play before he touched the ball down. And the look on Murray's face well, let's say he didn't want to make eye contact <laughs> with too many of his teammates. I think what the worry was for me was with just before half time, Ian Moody got sent to the same bit, and kind of he was the unlucky one after a string of penalties had been given. Um, then Skeen scored right on half time, gives him a 17 6 lead. I was quite worried that they were going to pull away at the start of the second half. Well, certainly when you look at some of the, uh, probably the last three games, uh, where we've started the second half very poorly and conceded points at the start of the second half, Melrose certainly had their tails up. They'd got 17-6 ahead, and I think both Melrose and their support just expected them to steamroller us at that point. But we came out clearly switched on which as you say hasn't been the case in recent weeks we, we came out switched on and we, and we really took the game to them rather than trying to play out time until Moody was back on yeah I mean absolutely knowing Sean the way he speaks um, I'm sure he mentioned to his uh, colleagues at half time that hey we're not going to give away a lot of points on this occasion I'm sure the coaches did the same um, but with him being in the uh, in the bin there was always that danger and then all of a sudden Set Vista just produced, I mean, a wonderful bounce of the ball, but nonetheless a piece of magic. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think what was also encouraging for me to see, because we were straight behind that um, incident, um, as he's running forward, he's got the presence of mind to kind of go round the Melrose hooker who's deliberately holding his line to try and make it as difficult as possible for set. That That's right. And he went round the man, he, he gathered the ball, and then there was only one winner. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought Andrew Skeen had a great game for Melrose. But, but he's not quick. He wasn't as quick as Seth, that's for sure. And uh, Seth skipped away and, and scored a try. Suddenly, the game's on again. Yeah. Um, then, from the, for the rest of the game, it was kind of tip for tap. They'd have attack, we'd have attack. There was question marks over their final try. Was it a knock-on? Was it not? Um, I think we have all different views on that one. Well, having watched the video, and I can't... Because we were behind play, I can't see for sure whether it was or not. But I think the killer for me was... An interview with Craig Chalmers in the paper today saying he thought it was a knock on. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but you know, th- those breaks go against you and sometimes they'll go for you. Um, it was very, very even. Harry Leonard had the long range chance to win it right at the end, but I don't think anybody can blame somebody for missing what with the angle is over a 50 metre kick. Yeah, I think it would be unfair to, to I mean, to call it a chance even is, is stretching things a little bit. It was. It could have been the last kick of the game, and I suspect we thought it was the last kick of the game, and it was certainly worth, you know, Harry's got a tremendous boot, and he'd already put one long-range penalty over, but uh, he didn't quite make it, but I don't think, you know, you can lay any blame whatsoever at his uh, his doorstep. I mean, it was a great performance by Muir. We, We didn't give up. There were times in that game where maybe we could have given up, where maybe the heads could have gone down, you know, 17-6 at half-time, when Melrose had scored their third try, and, yeah, it probably was a knock-on, and I'm no doubt a number of the players knew that. At these sort of times, your head can go down, but it didn't. We kept coming, we kept coming. In the end, we just couldn't quite force it to get that final opportunity. But, as Phil Smith said after the game, you know, there's only three-point swing, we stopped Melrose from getting the bonus point try, thanks Andy, <laughs> and uh, we got the bonus point ourselves. It could have been so much worse, it's just a shame it wasn't yeah. so much better. Absolutely, I mean, I would not be surprised if Melrose go on beating at the Green Yards this season. You know, I mean, it's a fearsome place to go, they're playing very good rugby, so to come within inches of, of beating them is, is a highly creditable performance. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see Melrose go unbeaten at least to the halfway point of the season, at least to the break. They are a very good rugby team. They've found a scrum half in Bruce Colvine. I don't know where they got him from, but by God, they've got a little gem yeah, there. He was very, very um, Andrew Skeen being on the front foot all the time uh, showed what a, a good player he can be. Um, you know, the, But the one area where I thought we had clear superiority was particularly in the scrum. Yeah. I thought we, we, you know, we absolutely, we did dominate in the scrum. Um, I thought we got Melrose going backwards on a number of occasions, and I thought that was extremely encouraging. And it's worth noting that, you know, even when we had to change a prop, that we still we still yeah, kept absolutely. that going. Um, we won a number of penalties from that. We also um, stole a few um, in the line-out. I mean, there was a few misthrows from ourselves, but that was more kind of just our error rather than yeah. their, their success whereas we you know, um, 
jump out jumped them on a few occasions on their ball and, and that's really good to see and indeed so but I think I think overall the thing more than anything that pleased me was the defence the fact that we hit our tackles we didn't fall off tackles I mean yes Melrose scored three tries but they had to work damned hard for them yeah. and they were not because of missed tackles none of them were because of missed tackles so that I thought was a tremendous improvement and if we can keep that improvement going if we can maintain that and get rid of this incredibly frustrating inconsistency, then we're a match for anyone. Well, after the game, I spoke to uh, Jamie Swanson and Sepp Visser about the match. Jamie, that looked like a tough battle up front. Yeah, it was. Um... I mean, undoubtedly this season the, the hardest contest that we think you know that we've had. Um, it was just that kind of game, you know, so physical up front and just all around a, a pretty pretty hard battle. Yeah. yeah. And we came very very close to stealing the win at the end, but just wasn't quite enough. Well, you know, it's easy to say right at the end, you know, one thing goes wrong, but ultimately there was lots of chances in the game, you know, and it's hard to, especially on Harry, it certainly wasn't his fault, you know, it's a hard kick and these things come and go, you know, I'm certainly not going to say that that kick won or lost us the game, you know, it's the little margins throughout the game. Um, personally, I was a little bit disappointed I couldn't influence the things that I could in the first half, um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think it came down to that one kick, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. And although it's a second defeat after Gala this one probably provides more confidence for the side that we can compete with the best in the league well, yeah certainly that you know we, we've come here to you know a notoriously hard place to get anything from these guys and you know we've we've played really well and there's a lot of positives um, and yeah ultimately we've we've not won but you know next week we can look back and say you know we gave what are ultimately turning out to be the good guys in this league we gave them a real run and a real scare and there's a lot of positives absolutely thanks very much Jim. cheers that must be difficult to take having had all the pressure in the second half and not being able to quite get over the line and win the points exactly it was very disappointing for us um, I think we played really well second half first half as well the second half we, uh, we should have won maybe maybe a decision from the referee but still we should have should have made that last three points and you scored a Excellent try. The little chip ahead seems to be quite a tactic. Yeah, yeah. I've done it before, and uh, well, I've tried it before, but this uh, is good bounce, shame my hands, and just easy running. Yeah. And does it give the side a certain amount of confidence that Melrose are the, probably the strongest team in the league, but we were probably better than them on the day? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's all we what we've been saying all week. Uh, we came in with the attitude that if we if we can win this game, we can win the league. And um, well, we were pretty close here today, so it's going to be it's going to be. Uh, N- nice season it could be a nice season for us and Curry's another tough one next week yeah exactly they're, they're doing well they've won the last two games don't know what they did today but um, we're looking forward to that and hopefully you get good performance back, back at ours cheers very much thank you thank you well kind of moving to a wider look at Premier 1 um, Air st- are starting to move up the table, move up to kind of towards the battle for the British and Irish Cup places, and they beat Hawks seventeen five. Yes, um, by all accounts, it was a pretty dire game played in awful conditions. 
Um, but the game seems to have been won in the last five or ten minutes of the first half when Air scored two tries. Um, and despite Hawks having a real go at it in the second half, they were unable to turn it over. But Hawks, I don't know, Peter's going to be a worried man. I mean, Seven that? points out of six yeah. games, second bottom. That's, that's you not know. good. And I think what we've got to realise, Simon, is that there's, there's more than now, we're over halfway mm. to the league split. Yeah, they've only got five games to rescue it. Hawks are in real, real danger of being in that bottom four. Yes, they are. I mean, I... I still struggle to believe that they will end up in that bottom four I'm sure Peter will pull something out the hat and I think they will climb the table but uh, right at the moment they're in trouble yeah um, I think it was kind of oh back to the area that we recognise you know the, the ability to grind out a win well I think that's exactly it now he uh, I worry a little bit when I read they brought in a New Zealand flanker and he had a big influence on the game. Um, you know, I mean, I think we've said before this season that, that uh, Damien Kelly, Skippy going back to the Antipodes was probably the one biggest factor in their slow start to the season. And uh, I hope they haven't found another one. <laughs> well, Courier firmly back on track, like here, they're marching back towards that top three and they fairly convincingly beat Harriet's even if reports say they didn't play particularly well. well that's right and I mean Ali Donaldson said you know great to get a win when you're not playing well but I don't think he sounded particularly happy with the uh, with the team and the performance they gave but both Curry and Air are sat just behind us now in the table um, they're going to be tough opposition you know and we've got to play both of those teams and that's going to be tough Curry just had a disastrous start to the season but the same as with Hawks you know what about Heriots absolutely I was going to come on to this they're also sitting in the bottom four now I wonder I mean both sides are sides that like to really open out and play rugby and is it perhaps um, a product of the, the way the league splits that maybe they're slightly more defensive or teams with more nous about them are being rewarded that could be the case um, not having seen all the teams yet it's difficult to be certain but but I think that's definitely a, a valid theory but I don't know Harriet's they just just don't seem to have really got going this season they've had you know reading all the, the reports and that they've had some games where it's been said oh they play quite well they've got something to build on but and they don't pick up the points but they don't build on it and they don't pick up the points I mean we're inconsistent I'll, I'll grant anyone that but in amongst some poor performances, we've had some tremendous performances, and we've picked up a lot of points. And if we can just iron that out, then we're real contenders. Yeah. And it don't look like contenders at the moment. Absolutely not. Um, Aki's put in a much better performance. Um, okay, they were against Hoik, who have no coach at the moment, but a 25-0 victory is a 25-0 victory. Yes, and no, I mean, Simon's Cross, Simon Cross's point seems to be that Great to score the tries, but even better to keep the line protected, to not let Hoyk score a single point. I mean, I think it was 12 or 13 up at half-time. So it was a pretty even match. Uh, they you know, they didn't run away with it. Um, it wasn't, you know, all the points didn't come at once or anything like yeah. that. It didn't run away with it. But a very, uh, a very good and very much needed win for Aki's. They're still just in the bottom four, but they're certainly within sight of safety you know they're 
they're challenging and they'll be wanting to stay up. Yeah, I mean, are we calling sort of time on Hoik now? I mean, they're only seven points off safety, but without a coach, with only five games left, it's very, very tough to see them getting out of that, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, you know, maybe next week they appoint a coach, maybe he comes in with some new ideas or they play for him or what have you. I can't write them off yet, but I would say they're probably favourites to be in the bottom four. Another tight game by scoreline um, was Gala 16-Dundee 9, um, and Gala move up to second place now. Yeah, indeed. I mean, what a tremendous season Gala are having. It was only, there was only one try in it, and it was only one try in the game, I understand, but Gala scored it, you know, and sometimes you cannot win with the style with which they beat us, you know, sometimes you've got to tough it out, patently they had to, Dundee themselves are no uh, no mean team, you know, they're sitting third in the league and I think Gala, by anyone's books, Gala have been the surprise package of the season and whilst after the first couple of games we might have expected them to drop off not anymore, not anymore at all No, I mean we've got two Borders teams at the top I was going to say, it looks like it's a quite old school table at the moment <laughs> Well, you know, after, after at the bottom After, after you know, a fairly well decade of, of, of Other than Melrose, a lot of struggle in the Borders Yeah You know, it's it's good to see that rugby's getting stronger down there again Absolutely, and George Graham's done a tremendous job with Gala I mean, and I'm sure, you know, the rest of his coaching team Because they're playing good rugby and getting the uh, the success for it. They deserve to be where they are. I think a couple of weeks ago we were fairly close to writing Sterling off and that's probably a lesson not to do so against Hoyk. But two wins on the bounce and they're now out of the top, bottom four. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's <laughs> that surprised me a little bit, but they've won the last couple of games. You know, this is a league where, with the exception of Melrose, everyone's beating everyone, you know, and so... Sterling have just picked up a couple of good wins, and it's shown that uh, you know they're by no means dead and buried. I still think they'll go. I still think they'll end up in the bottom four. Yeah, I have to say so. Do I? Um, it, it's nice to see that there is some fight there because it would have been very easy having got close to us and having lost that they then crumble and fall away. But they've actually reacted really positively. To yeah, it. they've taken it as a as a. In the different way, and they've taken it positively. I mean, I was very impressed by Sterling as a club and the way they handled themselves at Maggotland, despite the disappointment of having the opportunity to win. I was delighted to see that Brian Archibald kicked all his points. He didn't hit the post with a crucial uh, a crucial conversion or That's penalty. I can't remember. Mean. No, it's not meant to be mean. I'm glad for the lad. You know, I'm glad he missed the one against us, but I'm glad he got. The good write-up this week as well. Well, after the match on Saturday, I spoke to Craig Chalmers about Melrose's season. Hey. Craig, that must have been nervous at the end. Hey. A bit nervous, yeah. I thought Harry was going to nail that. He, I saw him kicking beforehand and he was knocking the move from a long way. So, uh, no, I probably didn't deserve to win that today, but these are the games that you can win and play poorly. And then, you know, Burton came here and played some good rugby today and, uh, you know, maybe deserved a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly been a good start for the season for yourself. Yeah, good start, but, uh, you know, we've got a couple of problems, you know, we're not going to beat Dundee next week up there playing like that, so um, it's a bit of a, a wake-up call for us, so, uh, you know, 
hopefully. And is it just take it game by game now rather than looking at a, any bigger picture? Game by game, it always, it's always game by game no matter where we are in the league, so uh, no. Game by game, we, we, we won, the, won today, one playing poorly, so uh, we'll take it and uh, we'll take it and uh, move on next week. Cheers very much. It's that time in the podcast when we have to reflect on the World Cup, so yeah, let's move to? on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next up, um, oh, it was annoying. It was very, very annoying because, like against Argentina, we were, for my money, over the 80 minutes, we were the better side. You know, we got ourselves in the position to win. At one point, we even had the rep, even though it was only for two minutes, we had the, the lead um, that we needed. And we conspired to just, excuse my French, but piss it all away. Well, yes, and I think, you know, two things I'd like to say. First of all, you know, to lose one match when you're in a position to win it is unfortunate. To lose two seems like carelessness. Absolutely. Um, and the other thing is, is the way the way we lost it. Because the momentum switch. Last week against Argentina, we failed to deal with a kickoff after we'd scored. And they scored a try. There was so much talk about that in the week. And there was so much promise and guarantee that it would never happen again. And yet the momentum switch came, as you said, after we'd got nine points ahead. Guess what? We failed to deal with the kickoff. I couldn't believe it. I screamed even at the time that England took a kickoff. No Scotland player touched the ball. And England regathered it. Yeah. And from that, they kept the momentum, they went on, they got the penalty, and the whole game had swung. Yeah, um, hugely disappointing to to watch from a Scotland perspective. Um, and it's a whole other podcast that we may do later about what's wrong with the Scottish system. Um, I find it tough to apportion that much blame to the coaching staff even though it's perhaps a mentality issue I just don't think the Scottish system is preparing the players for that situation I think the sense the system is is partly to fault but you know if you play four games in the World Cup and in three of them you don't score a try and okay we scored four in the first game great but we damn near lost that game if they hadn't made a stupid substitution and taken their hooker off when they just got in the lead we may well have lost that game but certainly to go three games without scoring a try, when opportunities were created, but mistakes were made, or worse still, bad decisions were made. I mean, Nick DeLuca will come in for, undoubtedly come in for criticism, for not picking the ball up and diving over the line. Looked to me like he looked at the cover player before he looked, before he tried to pick the ball up. But, you know, that was a mistake. We missed tries because of bad decisions as well. And that, I think, is worse. Yeah. Um, absolutely, I can't agree with you more. I think moving away from it, um, <laughs> putting that pain in a box, box for a minute, we do have a guaranteed Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere final, which is very different from what everybody was expecting with New Zealand versus Australia. Yeah, I think France, South Africa will make a great final. <laughs> you know, if, if we go, go through them, we've got New Zealand, Argentina. New Zealand have lost Dan Carter, but you've got to expect that they'll come through that. You've got to expect New Zealand to come through that, but I'm not writing Argentina off just yet. Um, it depends on the mental attitude that New Zealand go into that game. If they go into it worrying about losing Carter, 
then they could be in trouble. If they go into that saying, well, we're New Zealand, they're Argentina, you know, then I think they'll win it. Um, then we've got Australia versus South Africa, neither of whom have shown. Australia lost to Ireland, South Africa were very poor against Samoa. And against Wales. And against Wales, and that's a tough one to call. That's a tough one for call. I'm going for South Africa, but just for the sheer devilment of it. <laughs> I think I'm just on just on Australia. Um, then, then we have Ireland versus Wales, which I think is the quarterfinal that I'm most excited about watching. That's the one I'll, I will enjoy watching most. I'm sure. Um, I think that will be. I think to use an old-fashioned phrase, somewhat harem scarum. <laughs> I think you know both teams will believe genuinely believe they can win that, and therefore, in fact, I think both teams will generally believe. They can get to the final. Absolutely, I think it's a it's a fantastic chance for both nations to to really get to that final, which I think everybody thought was beyond them. Yeah, yeah at the beginning of the tournament. So come on, who do you go for? Ireland. Yeah, my boss is Irish, so I'm going for <laughs> Ireland as well. And obviously, um, with England's win, they secured victory in the group, and France just squeaked through. Being exceptionally French, needing a bonus point to qualify, a kick under the posts which would have guaranteed that bonus point, they decide to scrum it and score a try in the corner. Yeah. But they did get through, that's the important thing. They were being very, very French. Leverman's come out and said there is a divided camp. Can you see any way they can beat England? Because I don't. Yes, I can see any way they can beat England. I think this is a poor England team. Um, I... I don't know what it is. They've got some tremendously talented players, but I think it's a poor England team. Mm. Um, And I think that either England will just wear down France, grind them down, the French discipline will go, and then England will win it in the last 20 minutes, or the French will find something. I've said it every week. I'll (laughs) keep saying it. I just think, you know, that they are eminently capable of beating England and I'm tipping France. Yeah, I think, yes, saying, you know, that they don't have any chances really just to wind you up. Um, <laughs> I think what you described, you know, that England will just kind of England them to death. Um, you know, I think they'll just grind them into the ground. Um, and I, and I, do, I am still pretty confident that England will will come through that. Well, you may be right. We'll uh, we'll obviously know in time for next week's podcast because all the uh, quarterfinals take place at the weekend. It'll be great to watch. There's going to be some great rugby on TV. I think the the great tragedy. No, it's not a tragedy, but no, the great pity it's, it's is that Scotland aren't there to take their part in it because yeah. they have the players to do so but I mean frankly we should have beaten Argentina we should have beaten England we should be playing France this weekend yep and that would have been a hell of a match however it's not to be (laughs) so let's move on after this uh, brief musical interlude we'll look at the twos and threes so while the first 15 may have lost down in Melrose the second 15 came away with Quite a positive win. Yeah, um, I spoke with Cal McIntosh after the game just briefly, and you know, usual question: How did it go? And his answer was, "Beat him easy." <laughs> I think uh, Ali McLeod was a bit more 
diplomatic, shall we say. Um, the twos kind of ran in four tries, got their bonus point, then slackened off a little and, and let Melrose in for a couple, but it did sound pretty comfortable. Yeah, for those that, who, who don't know, I mean, the, the score was Melrose 17, Bottomure 32. It's not the biggest winning margin, but it was certainly, I think, a relatively comfortable margin. And it really makes for a cracking league, the second 15 league. I mean, top four teams divided by one point. Yeah, I think you've got Curry, Sterling and Stuart's Melville on 23 and then Bottomure on 22. That's and, right. You know, that is going to be a, a fantastic battle to watch develop. Yeah, I mean, in the last few years we've said it before and said it again that Sterling have run away with this league, but they're certainly not. They're up there, but by God, they're not running away with it. And, uh, you know, there's some, some rugby <laughs> to be played in that league. Um, the third 15 had their second league match of the season um, away at RHC, and, and they came away with. I think what can be described as a bit of a thrashing, they beat RHC 48-8. Well, to be fair, I think uh, Ross Peacock beat RHC, <laughs> scored five tries, you know. So, um, that's not bad making his seasonal debut for the Bears. He's been playing in the twos um, because of availability. He turned out for the Bears and, well, I think he wants his place <laughs> in the twos back. See, that, that's exactly how it should work. You know, you, you bump down a team for, for a week and you go and prove that that shouldn't have happened, that you should be back in the, in, well, in I mean, the highest Five spot. tries is, by anybody's standards, against any opposition, five tries is an impressive performance. But 48-8, obviously, quite a comfortable victory. And I think the Bears are unlikely to struggle this season. Um, Kelso look the form team in that league. But the Bears are mid-table, but they have a game in hand. Yeah, having had the game against Melbourne, it was called off a couple of weeks ago, they... they, they you know, um, do have that that in hand and given that Melrose are bottom of the league without a point at the moment you would expect when that is rescheduled that, that the Bears will come away with the victory you would certainly hope so so again they'll be challenging it's tremendous to see all three of the senior teams at the club actually having a real interest in the league you know actually playing some decent rugby and let's uh, say having an interest being in the top half of the league not being so far, touch wood, not being troubled by relegation thoughts or anything like that. It's good to see, and long may it continue. Well, after the match on Saturday, we spoke to Ali McLeod about the seconds game. Ali, after the second 15 loss to Stumel last week, it was important to come down here and get a win. Yeah, I mean, it was good to uh, have a bit of positive rugby and um, get the attitudes right from the start and uh, get over the whitewash, I think, pretty key. Um, and four tries to pick up the bonus point. Yes, uh, including a pushover try from the forwards, which you don't see every day, so that was nice. Um, eventually getting through them so they went to uncontested scrums, so that's... Uh, that's always a positive. <laughs> and the second 15 have been having a very bright season. Is it a good place to play? Yeah, it's a very positive team. A uh, great bunch of guys. Um, so I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed today. Uh, it was something you don't always get when you come down to Melrose. So. Excellent. Thank you very much. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. Well, one young man who undoubtedly will be very disappointed with the first 15 result on Saturday, but certainly played a big part in 
a good performance by Bonamio was Ross Bradford. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's, he's been getting excellent reviews in the second 15. Um, it was good to see him get his opportunity thrown in kind of at the deep end. Um, I think there's been times in the past when he's come into the team and struggled. Um, and on Saturday after the match, um, we had a word with him about how he's attacked the summer, his ambitions for getting in the first team and, and the match on Saturday. Ross, it's been a while since you've started for the first. Um, how did you enjoy that? I uh, loved every second of it. Uh, really enjoyed it. The intensity was great. Uh, obviously a step up in terms of contact and pace of the game from the second 15 but no really enjoyed it you've obviously done a lot of work over the summer was it your target to get in the first 15 this season uh, if, if I got there it was a bonus uh, I, I did a, a little bit of work in the gym but just a lot of running improving my fitness because it was one one part of it last 20 minutes was I able to keep the same intensity up and I feel that's there in my game now so in terms of defence as well defence is better so it's been good must be tough to take having put in such a good performance to just not quite win it at the end there. Yeah, it's it's gutting, but I mean, the mood's still good. I mean, we said it there in the in the huddle at the end that I, I know I've not played with the first this season, but one thing they've talked about is the, the, the go-get attitude to go out and get there. And I felt the desire was there today for us to go out and win it, and it's just maybe top two inches, a few decisions maybe, decision-making from our part. Uh, and we could have come away with it, but no, really positive. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Cheers. And uh, just to wrap up this week's podcast, we have a look forward to next week. Um, both the first 15 and the second 15 have Curry at Megatland. The Bears have Murrayfield Wanderers away. It's going to be another tough one for the first career on something of a roll. Well, they are, but we've got to remember we're ahead of them in the league, you know, and we're there on merit. And, you know, I, I honestly believe if we play like we played in the first 20 and then the last 40 against Melrose, we can beat Curry. We've not had a good record against them of late. It's about time we beat Curry. They've given us a couple of good hidings, there have been a couple of close matches. But it's about time we beat them. And if we play like that, we're capable of beating them. I'm not saying we will or we won't. I'm just saying we're capable of beating them. But at the same time, I think Curry are capable of beating us. So it'll be a tough match. And we need all the uh, support we can get to come and watch it. Absolutely. I mean, it's been disappointing in Megatland so far this season. We've won one loss to, you know, it would hurt a lot. To, to see that go to 1-1 one, one, loss 3 um, I think our problem this season is perhaps only once perhaps only against Aki's have we strung 80 minutes together um, but if we do that we're capable of being anybody in the league there is no doubt about it. Well that. I think that's it and, and we've spoken about the inconsistency um, Ferg and Phil will be desperate to stop that this week so will the players so come on let's go and beat Curry. Um, it'll be tough for the second 15 as well we've spoken about the fact that Curry are sitting top of the league at the moment um, but the second 15 are, are again a very strong side who on their day can, can really expect to take on anybody yeah I mean if you look at some of the players who played in the twos away at Melrose I mean you know young Alex Henderson 
I think he's still at school, isn't he? He's about 12, something like that. <laughs> you know, he's had a couple of great weeks in the first 15. First 15 opted for experience, not unreasonably, against Melrose. So Alex is back to the twos. What's he do? He doesn't hang his head in shame. He doesn't sulk or anything like that. He wins the Man of the Match award. <laughs> you know, that's not bad. And when you think of, you know, Ali there as well and Camior as well, you know, what a back row that was for a second 15. And, you know, you've got many players with first 15 experience. Linton Brink, Graham Blackall, Rob Cairns, people like that, you know. If that second 15 can't do well in the league, there would be something wrong. But they are doing well. And, yeah, Curry will be tough. But we're at home. Yeah, we've got to go into that mindset with, this is our patch, this is our win. Absolutely. Um, the third 15 aren't on our patch, obviously, with the restricted availability of pitches at, at Megaland. They, they're away at uh, Murrayfield Wanderers. Um, always a fun encounter. Always a good game against Murrayfield. I mean, we've given them a couple of serious beatings, but we've also had some absolutely tremendous, some cracking games against them. We usually come out on top, but certainly they've given us a fright on occasion. And uh, they're a spirited club, they're a spirited side. You know, they won't lie down and take a hammer in, and they will see it as an opportunity. You know, we've got the Bears at our place, they'll be thinking, let's turn them over. Yeah, with the Bears having won one, lost one so far, it's, it's a good chance to kind of push that into the positive column. Absolutely, it's the start. It's the point in a season when it can start really going right or really going wrong, and a good win against Murrayfield proceeds to climb the table sees a lot of positives come out of it and then we start looking up, not down Well next week we'll be back with a review of all that and there'll be no depressing Scotland talk in the World Cup section (laughs) Thanks very much